0: Welcome to another episode of Building Northwest Indiana Radio. My name is Kevin Comerford. I am the Director of Professional Development at the Construction Advancement Foundation of Northwest Indiana, and I will be serving as your host today. The purpose of Building Northwest Indiana Radio is to give you a little insight into the Northwest Indiana professional construction industry. Today we will be talking about the operating engineer skill trade. My guest today is Mark Kara. Mark is the Assistant Coordinator for the Operating Engineers Local 150 Apprenticeship Program. Mark, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kevin. You know, when I got into uh, construction, you know, I, I thought I thought of an operator. You know, I thought of cranes and bulldozers. Mm-hmm. Now that I've learned a little bit more, I've learned that you guys do a lot more than just that. Can you can you talk a little bit about the operating engineers, you know, the, the trade itself, and talk about what kind of projects you work on and explain the various types of equipment you operate?
1: Sure, Kevin. Um, and, and that was it. Back in the day, we were operating engineers. We operated equipment. We've expanded, we've diversified, and uh, over the years, you know, it used to, operating engineers run and, run and or fix heavy equipment in a variety of industries across our our jurisdictional area here. Um, we're into road building, hoisting, mass earth moving, um, such as a large development of some type. Uh, so slag is found in the steel industry, and it's a byproduct of the steelmaking process. And around here, you in road building, you could use limestone as a sub-base in a... Northwest Indiana, we find slag to be suitable for that. So, but pits and quarries, are limestone primarily, landfills, drilling, material testing, railroad construction, derailment, pipeline, uh, public works, the municipalities. So, across all those different industries, we run asphalt asphalt pavers, concrete pavers, and rollers. Um, all types of cranes, from small walk behind uh, these cranes that almost look like a like a pallet jack almost but uh and work our way right up to tower cranes on top of a you know a new skyscraper going in um front end loaders bulldozers specialized machines especially in the steel mills we have what's called a crest hauler which hauls the large slabs of steel around um scrap haulers they're uh, based on that same type of machine um in the drilling industry we drill for water we drill to see just what's under the earth um geothermal now for heating cooling is big so we're drilling and then uh on a, the construction uh, railroad construction derailment, the big side booms that are used to pull a train back up after it's fallen off the track. So we're kind of all over the place.
0: let's Let's talk a little bit about uh, the apprenticeship program mm-hmm. real quick. You take applications once a year. Is that is that coming up pretty soon?
1: It is. We take applications in the whole month of November. So this year, um, out at the training facility in Wilmington, Illinois, we take those from the first of November through the twenty seventh. So the twenty eighth, I believe, is Thanksgiving. So we're shutting those off just before the holiday. But uh, here in Merrillville, our union hall, the local one hundred and fifty hall, is located at twenty one ninety three West eighty fourth Place or. I, Taft Street, as I call it, just south of Route 30. We'll be there on November 1st and 21st from 12 noon to 5 p.m. on both of those days. And an individual can come out if they're interested in applying. And on that day, they need a $25 money order. They need a current driver's license that matches their current residence. And uh, they're going to fill out an application request form, and then take the application with them.
0: So once uh, somebody fills out that application and goes through the selection process, um, well, can you talk expand a little bit about the selection process?
1: Sure. So our applications are points based, and we are we're going to ask you in that application to provide all types of transcripts. So high school transcripts, college transcripts. Um, I say certification or certificates. So if you've taken a OSHA 10 class and OSHA 30 class you have a welding certificate those we need copies of those certificates and we base the points off of what you give us so um, uh, once we go through your prior work history um, I always recommend uh, you put a resume in the packet we don't require it but it's recommended. Um, You need a couple letters of reference and, uh, you know, find somebody who's in the industry that could vouch for your ability to to be one of us, I say.
0: Once somebody uh, gets all that into you and you do the selection process and you take, uh, you know, the top – uh, applicants that, you know, the applicants that score the highest, you bring them into an interview, is that correct?
1: There is. There's a an oral interview. So we try to, it's a, it's a daunting task. We have over 4,000 individuals that apply for our program annually. And, and we cover a wide range. So we're not just in Northwest Indiana. We're in Iowa a little bit. We're in Illinois. Um, but, and everything is district. So we're District 7 in Maryville. So applicants applying to District 7 are only really competing with other applicants in District 7. It's not all 3,000-some-odd other applicants. But uh, we set you up for an interview. We'll call you and schedule you for an interview date, and you're going to come down and you're going to be asked some questions. We're just looking for where you came from, why are you interested in our our craft, and things of that nature. Do you like to work outside? In our business, uh, do you like to drive? Because our jobs are typically not right down the block from your house um, it's not uncommon to drive an hour two hours to get to the job every day as the jobs move so uh, we try to f- you know try to get a little bit more information about the person during that interview
0: so now an applicant has passed the interview process he gets accepted into the program now what is he up to what's he facing uh, as far as schooling on the job training uh, things of that sort
1: so we have four different programs so when an individual is wanting to apply for the operators, um, we have some options there. There's a heavy equipment operator. Um, it's a four-year, six-thousand-hour apprenticeship program. So it's not a it's not a summer job. It's a career. Um, we are interested in lifelong learners, um, repair technicians, or the mechanics we talked about earlier. That's a five-year or an eight-thousand-hour apprenticeship program. Construction building inspectors and the uh, drillers. They're also four-year, six-thousand-hour programs. Um, You can pretty much expect to work throughout the spring, summer, and fall and then come back out to the training center in the wintertime. And uh, typically for an operator, expect about three weeks of class over the winter and then another couple weeks of minimum of just coming out and running equipment. We have pretty much all types of equipment at the training center, and we're open six days a week to our membership. So an apprentice can come out on rain days, on Saturdays, on uh, slow periods during the wintertime and just sign these machines out and get better on them.
0: So can you talk, and and I already know what it looks like because I've been out to Wilmette and saw your training center, but it's pretty impressive. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, how big it is? I mean, you got all kinds of pieces of equipment that uh, I've seen people, you know, operate and they're moving around. You even have, like, virtual uh, uh, training devices. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yep. So
1: back in 2005, we broke ground on a new training center in Wilmington, Illinois. Um, We're a... Little over three hundred thousand square feet of indoor space in our building. So, lots of individuals come out for a tour, and I think they expect to see a small garage and some equipment parked around it. It's like pulling into a university. It's the William E. Dugan Training Center, and uh, it it has a really uh, I don't know, robust appearance, you know, when you come up, it's a large school, um, that 300,000 square feet includes a 180 by 300 foot indoor training arena. So we're not, you know, weather's not going to slow us down. Um, we have an indoor paving bay where we can work on asphalt paving operations indoors all winter long. Um, we're sitting on roughly 300, 325 acres or so. So we have a lot of room to operate equipment. There's roughly 200 pieces of a machinery on site. Um, We've got three tower cranes and an additional probably 25 cranes to go along with those. Bulldozers, backhoes, drills, scrapers, graders, you know, you name it, it's out there and it's available six days a week for the membership to sign
0: out. So as an apprentice who doesn't really have any connections in the industry, how do they go about earning a paycheck? Do you place them with a contractor?
1: The uh, the apprentices uh, are dispatched out to work, much like our journeymen. They go on a, a list at the hall, but it's, it's just there on an apprentice list. And when contractors are in need of apprentices for the job sites, they call the hall and ask for a, an apprentice directly. And then our dispatchers and us at the training center work together to Get a, an, a get an apprentice out there to work who's not currently working. That you know we try to find one that has somewhat of a skill set. Um, we encourage our apprentices when they're not working to. Uh, come out and work on those items that dispatch is most likely going to ask for in that in their jurisdictional area to build up some training. But they get dispatched um, if they're on the top of the dispatch list and a contractor calls, we send them to work. Um, sometimes a contractor gets an apprentice with no experience, and sometimes they get one that may have just came off that same machine the week before. So it's a, it's a. It's a little bit of a shaking around, and you know, trying to make everybody fit the best.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, let's talk a bit about pay. How are they paid as they go through the apprenticeship program?
1: So, first year apprentice out of the blocks, roughly fifty percent of 50%? A journeyman scale. Yep, fifty percent of the journeyman scale, but they still re, uh, get the same benefit package that uh, that a journeyman gets. So, when they're going to work uh, from the day one, they start building a pension. Um, and as they work their way through the apprenticeship, uh, it's about a ten inc- percent you know, pay raise as you go through working your way. So a fourth year apprentice that's working on getting the rest of their on the job training is making about ninety percent of a journeyman and then they top out at a hundred percent then when they
0: So to move from like first year to second year, uh, you need so many hours on the job and then you do you need schoolwork as well? It is.
1: It's, it's a combination of several items, first being on-the-job training. So just a quick picture on an operator. They get in the program, they their first-year apprentice. Once they reach the 1,500 on-the-job training hour mark, um, they've completed a minimum of 80 hours of classroom time, another 64 hours of seat time, which is actually running the machines. Um, they're all required to get their a CDLA with no restrictions, and that is another piece that's needed to be done prior to getting to that second-year mark. But at that point, they're in pretty good shape to get their second-year advancement.
0: So what makes a good operating engineer? What kind of characteristics uh, do you look for in individuals that are interested in becoming a, an operating engineer?
1: Um, you want to you got to want to be outside you know um you got to be willing to travel um like i said before that you know our jobs they move you know that if you start at point a on a highway by the end of summer you might be 50 miles down the road and uh, like i said it's not uncommon to travel so that that traveling piece seems to get the most out of everybody because you know not everybody wants to sit on the road uh, an hour or two at the beginning and the end of each work day and then put that long work day in between but uh just a, a go-getter, a self-starter. Um, there's very few operators on any given job site, and um, we're typically servicing a lot of the other trades. So to to be that team player and get out there and really just want to give a good solid eight hours of work for eight hours pay is what we're looking for.
0: So if somebody out there is listening that's interested in becoming an operating engineer or at least p- applying for your program uh, in November um, – is there, an, is there a website or any uh, place that you can visit to find out more information? Absolutely. We have our website, which is
1: www.asiplocal150.org, and that is the Apprenticeship's website, so uh, you can there's an FAQ section on there. That's really good. That's an area that we've been updating regularly with you know those questions that commonly come across the phone lines.
0: Well, Mark, that was a lot of good information today. I appreciate you uh, joining us. Absolutely. Thanks, Kevin. That'll do it for today's edition of Building Northwest Indiana Radio. I would like to thank our guest today, Mark Kara. Mark is the Assistant Coordinator for the Operating Engineers Local 150 Apprenticeship Program. To find out more information about the Operating Engineers Local 150 or to find out how to apply for their apprenticeship program, you could visit ASIPlocal150.org.